This episode is sponsored by Efficient Business Solutions, your one-stop shop for technology. This was supposed to be a regular podcast. I promise you it was. But then Tom McDermott and I started talking about Manchester United, and man, did it take a turn. This interview is worth every minute. You have to listen to this. Me, Tom, Manchester United, let's go. I know it's uh, like a like a Wednesday, and you know what the hell, or is it a Thursday, or who knows now? But I know you're amped up. I know that things are happening, or the lack of things happening at United are kind of really getting under your nails. So, how about we just start the show by saying, "What's going on with United, brother?" <laughs> we beat Luton. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> shame you can't take three points for that. Um, it just appears to be. Um, Listen, I'd be I'd be surprised if Manchester United didn't do something before the window shuts in a couple of weeks' time. However, it's getting to the point where it's almost like damage limitation because I think I've said to you before, even if J- Jadon Sancho does arrive, is Jadon Sancho alone enough to get Manchester United into the top four? There are so many areas that need work. And you go back to that Crystal Palace game on, on Saturday afternoon, the defence is is an absolute shambles, both individually and collectively as a unit. And at the very least, you need something that's reliable there. And Manchester United just haven't got that there. So there's a lot of excitement still about Jaden Sancho, but Dortmund seem to be keen that you know insisting that he's staying there, which is fine. But we're still at the same point where Manchester United have not agreed a fee with Dortmund, and Dortmund are, are now allegedly sounding agents out about replacements for him so whether the deal gets over the line we'll have to wait and see I don't think anybody really knows Manchester United want the player the player wants to come but Manchester United is not paying the fee at the moment they're using Covid and another, several excuses why they're not paying the money but as we saw against Crystal Palace Manchester United really need players quick and they need both Jaden Sancho and last night against Luton they, they kind of ambled along as well you saw in that game that Manchester United need better players than what they have supported at the moment so it doesn't look great and I think the trouble for United is that so many teams below them or sorry below where they finished last season have improved and look better and react to defeats and react to adversity look at Spurs with a couple of players they brought in in the last seven days look at what Everton have done look at Arsenal so United need to do something and if they are the biggest club in the world they need to start behaving like it pretty quickly because at the end of the day it'll, it'll cost Solskjaer his job so so the you know, you have to keep insisting that United are the biggest club in the world. I mean, you do have the reputation, you have the silverware in the cabinet to prove it. But at this point, what do you think? Look, teams teams are not just just not going to brush off that Manchester United are desperate at this point. And, you know, it puts them in a position where they can really name their price. And if you don't like it, they don't have to sell to you. Absolutely. Isn't this uh, going to be an ongoing problem for United? Because I think that it actually started in the last couple of windows, 
And now you're just starting to see that this is real. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I say Manchester United the biggest club in the world. They probably are on paper and the history, the trophy, the story behind it. Sally Ferguson, everything that goes with that. In the transfer window, they behave like amateurs and they'll behave like amateurs for a long time. And people go, well, they spent over a billion pounds. Well, yeah, they have spent a billion, over a billion pounds, but they spent a billion pounds absolutely appallingly. They've got a guy who's Matt Judge, who's there to look after the financial side of things, negotiating transfers. Now, if you're looking after the financial side of things, are you really going to be flexible and want to spend money in the transfer window on players and get deals over the line? You're probably not, no. So you need a football person in to kind of, maybe not negotiate, but talk to clubs about other players and build relationships. And that's what United haven't got. So biggest club on paper, but actually behaving not like the biggest clubs. And, and I was told this weekend that off the field, in other departments, not connected to football, digital um, a couple of other places within the club as well they're just behaving not like Manchester United or a big organisation should they're behind off the pitch they're behind in the training ground all Trafford needs are the campaign the recruitment strategy is poor does Solskjaer get the job at one of the biggest clubs in the world if you know if, if it's not Manchester United does he go to Real Madrid does the, he go to Barca does, does he go to AC Milan even does Ole, does Ole Solskjaer get a job anywhere in the Premier League, let's say top 10, if no, one is available. if he gets sacked tomorrow, who, who takes him? Yeah. So, if he gets sacked tomorrow, who takes him? And that's on the back of finishing third last year with United, because I don't know who would. It, well, if that's the case, then why are you still hanging on to him? Probably because he he's not rocking the boat. Mourinho didn't get what he wanted. Mourinho finished second and said it was the biggest achievement in his football career or one of the biggest achievements in his football career. Everybody laughed and that summer he didn't get what he wanted to take United on to the next level. Solskjaer finished United, United finished third and now needs the same sort of support that Mourinho wanted before he went. He went and it doesn't look like he's going to get it. The, the facade that, 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 that he finished third and that it was a good season, I think, look, you finished third because I think everybody around you or right below you collapsed a little bit. So I don't think you finished third on merit. You finished third because that was just a circumstance. Now, I don't think that anybody who is going to finish third is going to be like, uh, no, I'm not going to take it. Yeah, you'll take it. But that created the bigger problem, I think, for United where you still think you finished third. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, the points tally last season was equivalent to sixth or seventh place the year before. Somebody, one of your listeners will know that. Um, so it wasn't great. It was a poor league. Teams around Manchester United collapsed. Leicester's, I've never seen a collapse like it. I'm surprised more wasn't made. Oh, I guess they started well this season, but they started well last season and they sort of drifted off the pace in January. You know, yes, they finished third, but Bruno Fernandes was largely to blame that. He was a signing, and wow, look what happens when you sign a quality player. Things start happening, but we need more of them and, and pretty quickly. So, speaking of quality players, you signed VDB. Uh, he is a very, very good player. Uh, young too, great talent, but we were talking about this right before. Mm-hmm. Did you really need him? I'm worried about him because he's he's a great player, but where do you fit him in on a consistent basis? And and that's people are tweeting saying, "Well, that's good. We need the squad composition." Well, it's only so long you can keep him out of the team. You know, Pogba's not going anywhere this window, so he's going to play. Bruno will always play because of his form last season, and even if he does dip off a bit. You know, because of what he did, did he? You know, he needs to play. So there's there's, there's little issues all over around the club. Did we need him? I'm all for squad competition. I just looked at it last night, and you're right. He's a, he's a fantastic player. It just seems to me that we've got a player in there who 
I wouldn't say we didn't need because you always need quality and, and he will be a very good Manchester United player but I have my doubts at the moment where his best position is and where he slips in in, in Oli Solskjaer's formation and like I said it's a, it's a player you've got at a very good price but Manchester United known about the price for Jadon Sancho for, for five, six, seven months you know you don't, you don't need to ask you don't need to pick the phone up and ask Dortmund what the price is the price is the price in the same way that Harry Maguire's price was 80 million last year well, besides the price, though, I mean, wouldn't you have thought to yourself that I have bigger holes to plug rather than just get another very quality midfielder? Absolutely. I mean, I think that Jaden Sancho, I mean, the goals are not so much the problem for Manchester United. I mean, I know they were at the weekend, but as we saw last night, you bring the, you know, the best top three on, you know, Rashford, Martial, and I'm actually players like Rashford and Greenwood last night, and you will get goals. But the problem is defensively and, and individually and collectively as a unit, United are not are not very good and they need better players in those positions. If you put Manchester United, the commanding central defender, uh, Makano and maybe Tellison at left back and you get them bedded in for 10 to 12 games, Manchester United might, then, might have played Crystal Palace, played poorly, but would have probably come away with a 1-1 draw and said, you know what, that was a bad day. But let's get on with it. We haven't lost. When Manchester United players aren't at it at the moment, they lose. Because they haven't got that quality behind. There's two halves to Manchester United. There's a top half, which on paper is Pogba, Bruno, Rashford, Martial, Greenwood. He's, 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 he's entertaining. He scores goals. It creates chances. And it will, on its day, cause problems for people. Behind that, you've got Fozzie Mensah at right back instead of wan You've got Maguire and Lindelof who are like Dolly and Daisy. And you've got left back Luke Shaw who rarely puts a game, you know, a string of more than 10 games together. So you, you, there's problems there. And, and until they're addressed, United will always struggle. It's as simple as that. You go back to the Leicester team, Hooth and Morgan. They weren't world class, but they were collectively as a unit, were very good. Danny Simpson, Fuchs in the back four as well, I think then. You know, Colin Henry used to lead the Blackburn defence that was that won the league. Pallister and Bruce, who actually, funny enough, Ferguson did call Dolly and Daisy, but he wasn't being derogatory when he meant when he said it. Yap Stam and Ronnie Johnson, Arsenal, Adams, Keown. It goes on and on and on. And teams that win titles have a very good or very solid at worst back four. And Manchester United don't even have a solid back four at the moment. You can move them around. You can move them around in absolute. Wambasaka is excellent one v one. He has his faults in the final third, but he's young. We'll, we'll forgive him that. But what you can do with Wambasaka, you can move him around. You can entice him out of that right back spot, and then if you double up on him, all of a sudden you've got a huge gap there, and Lindelof and Maguire exposed, and it's big, big trouble. Big trouble. Where do you, where do you see that the band aid needs to go at this point? Let's say you're not going to go for Sancho. Let's say that Manchester United are not going to fork out 120 million. What do you do? This window is closing quick. I'll go up on Makana straight away. 21, quick, mobile, good with his feet. Commanding central defender, only going to get better. Good going for 60, 65 million. That's half of what they want for Sancho. And that helps you and big that time. Out your, that sorts out your central defense immediately. If they can't do this, and if they're not going to do this, then you get Chris Smalling in. And Chris Smalling is not the long-term answer, but he's not worse than Victor Lindelof. He's very good 1v1. He's quick and he's good in the air. The question marks over about him passing out from the back, I get that, that's fine. 
But in terms of defending, let's concentrate on doing that first. And that is what Chris Morning can do. He's had a successful period at Roma, so his confidence is up again. And I think that if you're not going to spend money, then you need to integrate him into the team quickly because he's very rarely injured as well. We saw Eric Bailly last night. You know, could he could he help out? Could he be the answer? Eric Bailly played again, very well last night. He did. He did. But again, he's another one who, who suffers with injury regularly. So, so okay, so let's say you sort out the CB position. Then I'm going to have to turn around and ask you, what are you going to do about De Gea? <laughs> you can't drop De Gea after the weekend because he was, he was, um, wasn't was a fault for any of the goals and he saved the penalty, didn't he? So, it, you know, he was, what, half a toenail off his line for the second, the retake. Yeah. So at the moment you can't, but... Something will have to give. You can't drop a guy who's been there for 10 years at United, Spanish number one, um, for Henderson, who's had a, a reasonable, you know, he's not been as spectacular as some say. And I just think that while that defence is shaky, you don't want a lad who's only played one game for Manchester United in, in it'd be, it'd be behind him. So as it stands, I, I'm probably in the, the De Gea camp. However, if his form of the last 18 months continues, and he, we see two or three mistakes in the next month or so, they get Henderson in straight away because I think I hope you know De Gea can find his better form. But to me, he looks like more of a problem. But he, he, you know, let's let's, let's for, as he stands, it's probably the slightly the better choice. But there's there's very little in it. I don't you, you can argue both ways. I don't think anybody can say for sure Henderson is miles ahead of De Gea or vice versa. So it's easy to say. You know, listen, Manchester United is hijacking this podcast today because this is just too juicy. Um, what what do you what do you say to somebody if like all right, hypothetically, I'm asking you. I think that the majority of the people will listen to this and say, "We know this uh, ownership is a problem." Okay, yeah. ownership is not going anywhere. But if you had to, if you had to dig deep to try to find out. Where the weak link is in ownership, is it the fact that, like you said, you have a financial person looking after contract negotiations, which, I mean, it reeks of conflict of interest from a benefit to the club side, but I understand the organization makes money. Like, that, he may not be the problem. Where do you think the problem actually roots? Is it culture? Is it w- what? I think it's everything, isn't it? I think it's culture. I think it's Woodward employs people to, to work for him and he's, he's essentially leading the ship on behalf of the Glazers. So you've got to put the fall at his door. He's signed off the checks for £1 billion pounds or, or whatever it is since Alex Ferguson's left. So he's the he's the one. They've got a, a recruitment strategy that's, that's flawed, but it's flawed because it's led by people who aren't football people. You know, Bayern Munich are led by people who understand football and know the game. We've got two people heavily involved in finance leading Manchester United's title, sorry, transfer charge. <laughs> you know, what, what, what do you, what do you expect to happen? They're not, you know, they're, they're not Manchester United people. You know, the, Edwin van der Sar would be the ideal person to sit in between Edward Wood and Solskjaer, whoever the next manager is, and, and lead sort of the, the transfer um, charge and somebody like that that United need because, you know, you heard Patrice Evra saying that uh, I think a director of football called Matt Judge at Manchester United, and uh, you know he said, "Can you get him to answer his phone, please? Because I want to speak to him." You know, it's things like that that it's just beyond belief, really. It is it uh, so? Listen, let's say okay, ownership's not going to change. How do you 
it's going to be how do you stomach supporting a team knowing that the ownership isn't sharing anywhere near the same ambition as its fan base? I did a series of tweets earlier on um, about this, and it's United fans don't have to accept it, and, and, and they won't accept it, but that's it's the reality. It's what you see. It's what, it's what you see every every uh, every few years. It's how United behave. They don't sign um, the, the best players to help managers. Mourinho had his faults, had his problems. He was probably never going to work in the end, but... You know, he, he didn't get support in that final transfer. He took United to second, wasn't supported. Solskjaer's taking United to third, and as it stands, as it stands, hasn't been supported. So the same problem problems are there. And my, my prediction is this: Manchester United finish outside the top four. It may be worse before that, but let's say end of the season, years from Chelsea, Solskjaer will be sacked, replaced by somebody like Poch. And then Poch will perform a minor miracle, get United into the top four. United will spend money. And then after that, you'll be left with the same thing again as what Mourinho and Solskjaer will be, will be supported. There's nothing to suggest that that won't happen again. And that's just going on what we're seeing year in, year out at the club. So United fans haven't been near a title since Sir Alex Ferguson left. That's 70% of a decade, is it? Yeah. Yeah. 2013. Yeah. And there's absolutely no sign of that, of that changing any time soon. So you okay? So let's talk about understanding now that while commercially you may be one of the biggest clubs in the world, if not the biggest, um, you are no longer a powerhouse in the world of football. How do you adjust your expectations? Is the expectations now top four is is a good season? Well, top three is like winning the league with what we've got, what we did last year. Getting third position is, is that because United, even if City and Liverpool didn't buy a player for two years, they'd still be ahead of United. What United need to concentrate on now is what's coming up from behind. And I say behind because I fear they've probably already been overtaken, really. But if we're going on last last year's um, final standings, you look at Everton, Wolves, Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea. Probably left somebody off there. Leicester, Leicester well even. For, for, for three quarters of a season. That's what United are competing with now, not not City and Liverpool. And I think the United are a lot nearer to the to, to, the, to those guys than the United Chelsea too, sorry, Liverpool and Manchester City. So it's just the reality it's, it's football and, and until there's a change in ownership and people who are steering the ship from the top that really want what's best for the club and United aren't saddled with this huge debt, then long, long will this continue because you know, they're still their pockets and their and their finances are still being looked after and Sadly, that doesn't reflect on the pitch and, and the players that United have, have signed. But again, you go back to the Bruno Fernandes. You sign a player with Bruno Fernandes' quality in January, United getting top four, right. finish third. If right. he doesn't arrive in last January, there's no way United are getting anywhere near that. Pogba was nowhere to be seen. So that's a team you've got at the moment without Pogba, Van der Beek and Bruno. You're telling me that makes top four? Not a chance. Not a chance. So you spend the money you'll get success. If it's been what, right, right, and by the way, Solskjaer has been proven, I think, since all the managers that have been at Manchester United, I will say this for Solskjaer, all the managers that have been at Manchester United, Solskjaer has spent money the best, if, if I can say that. That's an, that's a, that's it, a, it, that makes sense. You know, no, it does. Bruno. It does. Because if, yeah, you're, if you're right, if you look at the signings, he didn't splash hundreds of millions. 
but he got key players in very key positions for yeah. not a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. Sands, uh, uh, well, did he um, did he buy Harry Maguire? Who, Solskjaer? Yeah. But he bought wan who, for me, is, will, you know, will become one of the best fullbacks in the league. I agree. Harry Maguire he bought. Now, Harry Maguire he bought for 80 million. He, he, he shouldn't have paid 80 million for him, but if you get him next to the right central defender, a mobile central defender we talked about, Absolutely fine. Dan James, 12 months ago, looked like, I won't say a world beater, but he started very well. He seems to have completely gone off the board and been written off. But then you look at Bruno, again, that was a good signing. Van der Beek, for his age and what you paid for him, will we'll, we'll hopefully turn into be a good signing. So nobody gets all the signings right. Chelsea have spent money on quite a lot of players, but not all of them are going to be going to be a success. So, so you know? if he doesn't finish top four... Is that the end of the road for him? And if that's the case, is that fair? It probably has to be the end of the road for him because he's taken the club back from where they were, where this last season. They finished third last season. If he finishes outside uh, the top four, that's fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, or however far he'll be, he'll be below, and that's a step back. But what he's got on his side is the fact that he hasn't been supporting to, to improve on that top three finish. Oh, sorry, to maintain that top four position because... At the moment, as it stands, he hasn't. And I, and I firmly believe that even if Jaden Sancho arrives for, for however much United end up paying for him, that he, he as well, with that defence, wouldn't be enough to take United into the top four. So, so I think there are better balanced teams. So, so sh- should the new ambition then be a top four finish is, is, a, is good enough, at least for the next handful of years? Okay, well, speaking of spending money and, and trying to back the manager, what have you heard? Is there any any movement on the transfer list at all on the United side? This, this, I believe they're still quibbling over the fee for Tellers. They're looking at around 20 to 25 million for him, the structure of that deal, which for a guy at 27, probably at his peak, um, seems a little ridiculous. You look at Chilwell, who's a bit, he'll get he's younger, went to sort of 10 to 15 million more than that, or maybe even 20 million more than that. So to get a player of that caliber from from a, from a very good league, um, I think United should should be trying to conclude that deal as quickly as possible. And then with Sancho, he's as you were really. And now unless there's a Van der Beek up up the sleeve somewhere and uh, a, a sign that Manchester United fans are not not aware of, or, or you know, a nice surprise, shall we say? Then let's hope that's the case. But at the moment, it doesn't look like it. It does look pretty bleak. But Again, a lot can change. You know, it's just a case of Manchester United paying and agreeing the fee. Now, all the work in terms of wages and agent fees has been set up. It's just a case of getting it right um, with the clubs and agreeing fees. But why Manchester United have not concluded deals at this point is, is beyond me. They, they should have been in two to three weeks before the guys reported back to pre-season because now you've got to reintegrate them. There's a fitness. They've got to go up to speed with the league. It's you know, it's hard, isn't it? It's difficult. The Premier League is is not for the faint of heart. Honestly, especially you could be a good player in any other league and you're going to come into the Premier League. There is a high likelihood that you're going to struggle in your first season. Uh, But with okay, so moving on, do you see anything closing this window realistically? I'd be amazed, actually, given the activity elsewhere, the pressure they're under and what Manchester United need if 
there isn't at least one deal done. Is it, it going to be Sancho? It would. And I, I, I'm, you know what? My money would probably still be on Sancho, but I think that with United, you can never tell. I think under Fergie and Gill, if they wanted to play a Berbatov, Tevez, somebody like that, Carrick, they went out and got him. But Manchester United are, are not the Manchester United of <laughs> Fergie and Gill era, so I think it's very much, very, very much up in the, up in the air. I think that we'll definitely see one side. I mean, but, but other than that, it depends who he is and for how much. I'd like to see Teles and, and Sancho. I think that strengthens United in two key areas. But for me, the key play, position is central defence because United are so, so weak there. Again, collectively, individually, they need somebody who's commanding and mobile just to keep them all together in, t- in the shade. You look at that first goal, Townsend, Dying. against Palace. Fantastic finish. It was a good, good right finish, but if you just pause it uh, when the ball's out wide and, and look at where they're all positioned, it's, it's frightening, really. And, that, that, that can't happen uh, you know if United are serious about being at the top end of the table and competing in, in you so, and, and you know I'm, dr- I'm dreading I'm dreading the Champions League I was just going to say so how do you how do you start how do you start looking at that lineup, thinking how do I line up for the Champions League frightening absolutely frightening this is why you need players in quickly because the squad wasn't big enough to go for the FA Cup and the Europa League and Last season, remember the semi-final of the FA Cup against Chelsea. United were put a, a weaker team out. De Gea made some errors. The, the again, the spoiling cast weren't good enough. But if you chuck into the mix now, Europe's Premier competition. I, I, I don't see how they can they can juggle everything with the team and the, and the players they've got. They're just just not good enough, and there's not enough numbers and, and quality in there. So, do you think that you're going to end up playing in the Europa League? After the first half of the group stage is over, it depends on the it depends on the draw. I, I think United will, will give a, a reasonable account of themselves. I mean, they, they do they can get up for playing the best team. When United are written off and they're playing City at home, Liverpool at home, or Tottenham, or one of the big boys, they, they tend they to show up. Yeah, game. they do. Yeah, his record last season was was pretty was, was pretty good actually against um, the top six. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so if you had that on paper, I think he's second or third. If that was a mini league, it's what United do against lesser teams where. We're given a lot of the ball and we're expected to break them down. We'll become a bit predictable. That's why I think Van der Beek may, may in you know, cause a bit of unpredictability for you know when we line up against the opposition. But certainly in terms of of, of winning those trophies, you, you can forget about that. I think if United qualify through their group for the knockout stage of the Champions League, they'll be doing well. But any further than that, no. But Europa League next season, I expect in, fully expect United to finish outside the top four. Anything, uh, anything that you're coming out with anytime soon in the media that you want to plug in? <laughs> yeah, I'm asked quite a lot actually about Henderson. It's not Pogba or Van der Beek and Bruno. It's De Gea and uh, Henderson. And, and there's a bit coming out in, in the UK online edition of the Sun tomorrow. Um, so keep an eye for that. That'll be that'll be worth doing. In fact, depending on when you got you you publish this, it, it might already be out. So do check that out. And then just to keep an eye on the on the, on the Twitter feed. Really, it's, it changes all the time and. People, I saw yourself get a bit of stick the other day. So it's ridiculous, really. A lot of it is opinion, or if you, if you speak to somebody and, and you know you get a bit of inside knowledge, then then who cares? You know, get on with it. Just enjoy. It. If you don't want to read it, then don't follow. Uh, I could I, listen. The 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 shtick that I was getting is probably never ever going to compare to the shtick that you get on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. You see, do you know what? It's 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 like this. If you go into a street and you speak to somebody, you wouldn't. In, get involved in their conversation if you didn't agree with them. So it's the same with social media. If you don't agree with what they're writing, just, just leave it. Walk past. 
Exactly. Smile, smile and wave at them. Smile and wave. <laughs> That's what I try to but do, you man. Can smile though, because you've got Gareth Bale now. Ooh, what a what, what a. Oh. <sighs> oh, is, this, oh, is that another podcast? That's definitely okay. another podcast, man. We're gonna have to do another one. Um, because I could take a half an hour for that, but, um, everybody, Tom, thank you very much. Everybody, if you're listening to this, his article by the time this is out, is probably out. It's in the sun. He's talking about Henderson. He's talking about Manchester United. Tom, thank you so much for your time today, man. I really, really appreciate it. Take care, mate. Cheers, pal.